All right. First thing's always easiest. Just tell us your name, you know, how old you are, and how long you've been coming to the club. Um, my name is Vernaya, and I'm 11 years old, and I'm in sixth grade, and I've been here for at least, I would say, six years. It feels great, because I never, like, had so much fun here than any other place. What do you want to do when you get older? Um, I want to start a job as being a nurse, because my mom has been a nurse for a while, so I wanted to be like her, to help people out when they need. Is there anything that you're learning here at the Boys and Girls Club that you think will help you grow up to be a nurse? It helps me out a lot. Actually, my friend had asked if she should come here, and I told her she should really come here because it's like you can do anything. What do you think is the kind of, you know, secret to the Boys and Girls Club? What do you think makes this place magic? Um, that we can just do mostly everything. Basically go anywhere. And how's that feel to be able to go anywhere? Being a club kid is awesome. Like, it's the best. Like, I love Boys and Girls Club more than school. Because all everybody here, I just love them. <laughs> Literally. I love it. I really do. Welcome to The Magic Within, a podcast presented by Boys and Girls Clubs of Southwest Virginia. I'm Emily Pinkerton, Director of Development. Join us as we explore the challenges faced by local youth and share inspiring stories from community partners, experts, parents, alumni, and club kids who've conquered these hurdles. At the heart of it all lies the enchanting essence of the club, a steadfast commitment to unlocking the potential of every young person who walks through our doors. Discover the transformative magic of the experiences, relationships, and safe spaces we provide to guide local youth on the path to brighter futures. Special thanks to our podcast series sponsor, P1 Technologies. At Boys and Girls Club, part of us leveling the playing field is making sure that there are not barriers for our children, right? So often in life, The opportunities we are given are based on what can we pay for, right? Can I pay for the opportunity to go to college? Can I pay to be a part of the sports team? Can I pay to take a class that interests me, that may prepare me for my career? Can I pay for a field trip? And at Boys and Girls Club, that's really important to us that that's never a factor. If you are here with us, the same opportunity is going to be afforded to every student. So that's a really important part of empowering families and kids to, to have access to the opportunity. So, you know, that's really what Boys and Girls Club is all about, is bringing these opportunities to kids. On this first episode, we address the critical topic of upward mobility and how Boys and Girls Club helps young people reach their goals. You'll hear from State Delegate Sam Razul and Boys and Girls Clubs of Southwest Virginia's CEO, Rebecca Meadows. Enjoy a deep dive into an innovative garden entrepreneurship program at the club with former staff mentor Chloe Johnson and club member Heaven. And hear excerpts from a sweet interview several club kids had with club alumnus and Virginia Tech football player Feldarius Payne. Episode 1 is sponsored by Whistler Plumbing and Air. Thanks for listening.
by the way, were we re- are we recording? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm just making sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been through interviews or conversations, know. and <laughs> no, no, oh, we forgot start. to press. We forgot to press record. Yeah, hi, I'm Delegate Sam Rasool. Grew up here in the Roanoke Valley. Live here with my wife and three kids. Uh, loved being able to um, serve an area that I grew up in. Uh, and as a kid who went to a school called Greenvale School, um, which was uh, a spot for, for kids uh, in need, it was um, uh, an opportunity for uh, families that needed a little bit of extra support um, and were given that. And so I certainly um, don't forget that as I'm moving into uh, this role in the House of Delegates over the past several years. Um, uh, socioeconomics and upward mobility are, are pretty pretty important in lots of different ways. Um, and so it's always always top of mind. So I'm happy to be able to, uh, to serve in the General Assembly uh, and especially be able to give back to a place that helped raise me. Yeah, Roanoke is tricky. There are a lot of great things happening in Roanoke. You go around and it's unlike many cities. There are many cities who are, that are either well-to-do um, or that are impoverished. And here we have some great benefactors who are doing wonderful things and we see so much growth and opportunity. But there is a lot of poverty. I mean, this is one of the poorest, the district I represent, which is entirely in Roanoke City, is one of the poorest districts in Virginia. Um, there's uh, uh, almost 90% free and reduced lunch rate as far as how they'd qualify. So it's, it's weird because our poverty and our needs are masked, really, by the innovation corridor, by the, what's happening at the medical school, by all these wonderful projects. And at the same time, someone just kind of driving through Roanoke today would be um, really inspired by all of the growth and development. But if they kind of went back into some of the neighborhoods, they would see the immense amount uh, of need. Uh, and so it's clear, especially right here in Southeast Roanoke, where Boys and Girls Club is, uh, that there is, we are just surrounded by poverty and so many children in need. Over the years, Roanoke has changed in a few different ways. One is when I was a kid, everyone was trying to figure out how to get out of Roanoke. Um, and now this is a, a cool, hip place, especially for young families, young professionals, um, because we offer so much. I think now uh, people are interested in quality of life and work-life balance, and Roanoke is a perfect spot for that. Um, I actually hope Roanoke doesn't grow too fast, uh, so that way we can be mindful about the way we approach that, that growth. But with regards to poverty and upward mobility, um, that really hasn't changed. Uh, the, the poverty is um, really entrenched in, in, in Roanoke, and one could probably argue that it, it's even maybe gotten worse in, in some ways, but you know, fundamentally, one major thing that happened uh, that had a, an impact was urban renewal in Roanoke. So in the 50s and 60s, we eliminated two black neighborhoods in northeast Roanoke, the Commonwealth and Kimball neighborhoods. And then we uh, 
destroyed half of a third neighborhood called the Gainesboro neighborhood. And we shifted all of those people yeah, into Northwest, essentially, for the most part, those black neighborhoods, and into housing uh, projects. And what happened there, they lost the infrastructure, which was a neighborhood that cared for your community uh, and neighbors that were there for you in need. And, you know, unfortunately, that uh, just like many other communities uh, around uh, the nation, didn't help with regards to generational poverty. And, and now we see the grandchildren and great-grandchildren of the people who went through that urban renewal who are still living in poverty. Poverty creates a permanent traumatic state. Your brain is impacted by being in this traumatic state and um, there are clear biological impacts of being in this um, environment where you are unable to really think objectively, clearly. Um, so it goes well beyond just not having the money to make ends meet, but to come into a household that is constantly under this financial pressure creates this uh, state of fear, of anxiety, and it impacts the socio-emotional growth and development of children. And that really has so many profound, uh, manifests itself in so many profound ways, uh, whether it be in uh, the sharp increase in mental health uh, challenges, which were, were already um, growing and, and difficult. And so I think if we begin to think about um, the violence of poverty. Uh, we talk about gun violence and sexual violence and, um, you know, domestic abuse. Poverty is a form of violence, and it does to the brain exactly what these other forms of violence uh, do. And that's uh, why we should really be out front with regards to trying to challenge this in our neighborhoods. And so while there was maybe a chance for them to, to break out there, um, it, it's, it's still very, very uh, prevalent and, and tough. And that's why so many institutions uh, around um, Roanoke, like the Boys and Girls Club, really help people who are, you know, barely, barely getting by. Well, hi, my name's Heaven. Um, my mom signed me up when I was um, in sixth grade, and basically, that's, that's basically how I got into the Boys and Girls Club. I mean, it was awkward because I didn't know nobody for real, but as I got more into it, I started getting to know people and started making friends. Like, it doesn't have a school atmosphere, kind of, and it doesn't have a daycare atmosphere. It feels like a place that you, like, it kind of feels like a second home. And you know, some of the staff, I really got like, really got to know them, really got to know them. And like, you know, they played with me and stuff like that. So I feel like the staff, definitely the staff, because like they have compassion. Like some of the staff really do care about you and you can kind of feel that. I feel like they're family and stuff like that. Like Mr. A or Miss Shea or Miss Chloe when she was still working here. You going back here or are you hanging out? Uh, no, I'm hanging out. Okay. <laughs> 
I'm nervous now. You did so good. My name is Chloe Johnson. Um, I started at the Boys and Girls Club in 2019. I'd been doing a lot of um, after-school programs previously, and I was living in Roanoke City and wanted to work locally. So I live right down the street in Southeast and wanted to get involved with a local after-school program. And they were hiring for youth employment and that's how I got involved. <laughs> Um, it's called, it's called sweet, but also like kind of, you know, like kind of hard. Like she got like tough love and like she brought everybody in the teen center. She was like, hey, we're doing this program called Clock Culture. But like it wasn't, it really didn't have a name at first. Like it was called the gardening program. Growing up, I don't have a memory of growing any food, any vegetables, fruits, things like that. My mom always kept a flower garden. I, I, I mean, I wasn't really a vegetable kid. I mean, I, I was a kid that liked broccoli, but that basically the only vegetable I used to eat. But I had no experience gardening. The only thing I knew how to do was dig a hole and plant a seed and it caused a death. That's all I knew how to do. I did grow up in the country. And we had some animals and things like that. Uh, we had a couple of goats that I milked. So I had a little bit of experience in like, you know, getting your hands dirty. Yeah, growing food is not really something I started thinking about until I met my partner, Cam. I came to Roanoke actually with my partner who wanted to start an urban farm. Got more interested in growing food, knowing where my food comes from, um, getting my hands dirty. We did some farming up in Canada and then came to Roanoke where my parents were. They said there's a lot of farmers markets here, it's good growing season, things like that. So we came here to start his business. So I was already kind of uh, exposed to gardening and urban farming and so that made it feasible for me to run the crop culture program. So we realize for kids to be successful in academics or any of our priority outcomes, we have to support them wholly. Hi, I'm Rebecca Meadows. I am the CEO of Boys and Girls Clubs of Southwest Virginia. Our partnerships really open doors for us to provide opportunities for our kids that we couldn't do on our own. The other term we use a lot around here is high yield. So when we talk about high yield programming, we talk about making the best opportunity out of what we have. So how do I take an hour with this child and make the biggest impact? You know, we have a garden and we talk about uh, the water cycle and we talk about food scarcity and healthy lifestyles. Um, and how to transition a hobby into an employment opportunity. Those are all high yield. It's taking a learning opportunity and putting as much into it as we can so it doesn't just serve one element for a child, but it serves a lot of elements. Um, one of the coolest things we've been able to, to offer in recent years is um, a really great program called Crop Culture um, that was just really unique. Well, Miss Chloe um, advised it to me. She was like, hey, you want to sign up for crop culture? And she was telling the whole club about it. But it, like, I really seemed interested because it was like, like a first job experience before a first job experience. Exposing kids to things, some that they may be familiar with, some that they're not familiar with, it does so much for them. You know, you can't be excited about something you don't know or you're not aware of, right? So it gives them the opportunity to explore things that they may have some level of awareness around. Um, and then it gets them, gives them the opportunity to explore things they have 
no awareness about yet. And so we try to incorporate that throughout what we do, right? And just even introducing them to new things, but really specifically towards this goal, we have a few programs that addresses it. Crop culture came to be a couple different ways. There had been gardening programs here in the past and the youth can kind of pick what they want to explore and what they don't and it also depends on staff strengths as well. So we had to start from scratch and we got a donation and built some beds and we just got some leftover seeds and started gardening just a little bit for just for fun and experience. So we were already kind of experimenting with gardening. Then I just got the go-ahead to kind of run the program as I wanted and yeah I came up with the outline I came to the youth actually knowing Heaven and Ariana two of the youngest students in the program is why I opened it up to middle schoolers and high schoolers but I knew that they were really keen they were always showing up to the club they're enthusiastic they work hard they'd be really into it so I specifically opened it up to middle school and up with them in mind. Yeah, so we know academics are where building for your future starts. So it's one of our priority outcomes. So we start with tutoring. We start with remediation. Uh, So that's one part of it. One part of it is the career development and making sure that they are ready for their first job or their second job. So like we talk about building their resumes, building um, their interview skills. We do a lot of mock interviews and that's always a lot of fun. We practice employment skills. Like, what do you do when you get there? You know, do you shake hands? That's kind of changed a little bit in recent years. Eye contact, engagement. So preparing them for those things so that when they decide what their first step is, hopefully they're going to be successful in it. So they all filled out applications. They all interviewed with me, me and another staff. And then we hired, we started with 10 like she was like, we, it's going to be working and stuff like that. And, like, she told us we're going to be work, definitely working in the garden because, yeah. And then there was a whole little interview process and everything. So like, it was, like, very interesting to me. Uh, working in a garden with Ms. Chloe, you know, it was, like, fun. It was fun, but, like, also we had to be serious, like, a lot of times. So it was just, yeah. I haven't started right from the get-go because she was enthusiastic and she interviewed well. And Heaven's always a joy to work with. All the kids are a joy to work with, you know. think by the end of it, you've already had a feel for kind of the flow of gardening and what we were doing. Yeah. (laughs) And then I work pretty closely with Leap. And the mobile market manager from Leap said that they were having a hard time getting enough produce to buy and sell on the mobile market. And she knew that I worked at the Boys and Girls Club and said if we wanted to grow some food at the Boys and Girls Club as like a program that they would buy the produce from us and they could sell it on the mobile market. And then we have some opportunities where where folks really come and walk alongside of us and what we're providing to the children. So I worked with Leap and my partner Cam with Garden Variety Harvest and we kind of came up with an initial idea of what's missing from the mobile market, what produce they're looking for, what we could grow in a small space. So I did a little pre-work with them to see what's feasible and then I 
came up with a program outline, proposed it to, I think, my boss at the time, Rebecca, said, can we run this program? And she was all about it. You know, we couldn't do that without partners. We partnered with several groups, Leap, um, who, you know, came alongside of us to to teach us things, um, to provide financial support, right? They bought produce from the children. Well, I mean, honestly, anything that you're doing that they're going to get paid for, there's a lot of enthusiasm, right? So I think, yes, they were interested in gardening, and that was new to a lot of them. A lot of uh, members are really interested in cooking, love being in the kitchen and cooking and eating, of course. And then what they didn't sell, they learned to cook, to make pickles and salsa, and, and to try and just taste different things, right? I mean, half the stuff I made across culture, I mean, normally I would not eat. I didn't even know what zucchini was until I um, was in crop culture. But my favorite thing was them zucchinis, because zucchinis by used to be hidden. Like when you put the cheese on it and then you throw it in the oven. Oh my God, we used to make them all the time when things hit. That would be part of it as well, being able to grow your own food and then cook with it too. When we talk about project-based learning and we talk about high-yield learning that just brings together so many things to reinforce concepts for children and and young people, you know, it's just really a great example of that. But so many people went into supporting that. And at different times, we had uh, folks from garden clubs have come out and supported our garden programs. The Virginia Cooperative Extension has supported our gardening programs with with resources, financial and materials, but also in coming out and and setting up gardens, teaching kids about gardens, bringing out um, compost and different types of worms and bugs and things for them to learn about how all of that works. So it's just really important. You know, our partners see the same value that we do in in setting our kids up for success and bringing them opportunities. Well, all the other stuff, like, I was, like, mostly in the garden and mostly with social media. That's what my main two things I was doing in there. I can't manage time for nothing. But I, when I was, like, before crop culture, I couldn't manage time for nothing, like nothing at all. It was, like, kind of hard trying to get into the process of it, but, like, I was trying to get in the mindset, really. But, like, after you've, like, been doing it and been doing it repeatedly every Tuesday and Thursday, like, it's, like, becomes easy. It becomes, like, a new thing, like, to me. But So we used to go outside and we used to take turns, like, who got the water or who turned on the sprinkler, and then we'll wait a certain amount of time, and then we'll turn it back off and go back inside. And then we had to check up on the plants, like, on our days off sometimes and stuff. It's just the process of watching the plant grow up like it's, like, your own little kid or your pet or something like that. Like, it's just watching it grow up and get bigger and bigger as it is going on. Like, it's something about that. I don't know what it is about it. It just makes it, yeah. It made me look at it a lot different than stuff. With gardening, you realize that you're connected to something greater and you're accountable not just to other people, but you're accountable to the land that you walk on, how you treat it, how you treat the plants and the other animals and things like that. And so it encompasses so much self-sufficiency, um, healthy living, uh, business acumen, right? How do you establish who your business partners are going to be and how do you calculate a budget and profit? so that the kids had the tools they needed to succeed. The program was really designed to give some entrepreneurial skills, creating a website, learning how to write an invoice, and communicating with um, our wholesale client, right? Selling to Leap, getting a lot of those experiences, time management, accountability, teamwork, communication, 10 youth 
who did the program and then it was on them to come up with the business name. And then we had to pick our own name and then we had to look up things that wasn't copyrighted. That's important. Yeah. The business name is Crop Culture. I think the process was, you know, sitting around, coming up with a bunch of words that they liked to do with growing. And they came up with a few different names and did a vote around the Boys and Girls Club and narrowed it down and a lot of, yeah, narrowing down and crossing out and working together to finally, I think we had two names. It was crop something and something culture and then they merged crop culture together and decided that would be the name. Oh, the business style was like one of the funnest parts about it because like I got to post pictures and stuff like that and any good business posts those pictures and promotes their stuff. And that was like really fun to play around with and stuff like that, like the social media captions and stuff like that. And also the website was fun to play around with. And um, oh, and we made this little like PowerPoint for the website kind of like thinky. It was really fun to do, like really fun. But I'll say like, it's hard to run a business. It really is. I have respect for the people who do actually run businesses and stuff. Um, personally, I'd like to think there's some big picture realizations that are going on. Heaven kind of mentioned how it's really hard work farming and I think we live in such a fast paced world and everything at our fingertips at the grocery stores, Instacart, right? You can get whatever you need very quickly without having to really think about where it came from. And I think slowing down to do the hard work and the slow work of growing your own food gets you seeing you know, our society, the world we live in, in a new way, right? Reminding yourself, like, everything that I see in the grocery store that came from somewhere and someone's labor was involved in growing that and then packaging that and then getting it to the store. You know, we didn't just grow the food, but then we harvested it and then we packaged it and then we got it to the mobile market. So seeing it from beginning to end is like a reminder of like this this big picture that we're all a part of and a, appreciation for the work that goes into it. At Boys and Girls Club, you know, we talk about our mission a lot and our mission is very future focused, right? We want to help kids reach their potential. We want them to be productive and responsible and caring. And so one of the ways we do that is through helping kids discover what it is they want for their future. You know, we use the term upward mobility a lot, but it really, it means so much. It, you know, I think often financial security comes to mind, but it's about goals. It's about the life you want to live, I think. Well, in confronting these, these challenges for upward mobility and, and specifically around kind of the permanent traumatic state that poverty um, can have and the, the violence of poverty, you know, it's great when we hear about organizations like the Boys and Girls Club who are saying, hey, we're going to focus on the soft skills, the socio-emotional skills. We're going to um, think about, hey, how do you, as, uh, as, your, as these kids are growing up, how, how do they work well in teams? How are they self-motivated? self-control? Do they have proper empathy skills? Uh, you know, these are really the skills of the future. I'll say, if I had a chance, I would do it again. I would. Like, I would grow, and if I had a chance to actually grow my own food in the backyard, I have dogs in the backyard, so that's definitely not going to happen. But if I did have my own chance, I would actually do it, though. It, it, it's important for our kids' development to have that. Yeah, I said so. 
definitely the main reason I wanted to work at the club and stayed working at the club and enjoyed being here is working with the young people um, and being involved in the community, working with young people who are also my neighbors. So really feeling connected to my local community and and just giving back. And um, growing up, I didn't have a lot of outside support. We had a lot of difficulties in our family and separated parents and just difficult things that I was dealing with that I didn't have a place to go or mentors or anywhere else that, you know, Heaven was talking about a home away from home or staff that you can talk to that are kind of friends and kind of mentors and I didn't have that so I think you know this whole journey and working with young people for me is like providing something that I see as valuable that I could have benefited from and that I really see as like a big part of success for young people in general you know. Gardening was the, the means by which we did that to grow my own food definitely but like what crop culture taught me really was like leadership skills like telling how to be a leader and like you know I was helping others too as I was doing it well once you feel as though you have a some sense of belonging then your mind can focus on growing it can focus on uh, trying to explore what um, our, our options are today you know, it's great when we hear about organizations like the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, no matter what your background, uh, what your identity is, to feel as though you have a, a safe space to operate in, then uh, allows you to, to be your best self and to grow and develop. You know, my, my kids woke up this morning and they had all kinds of little projects that they're working on and because and, they're not worried about surviving today. And they're not worried about, you know, is their father going to come yell at them? They're not worried about, you know, um, how they're going to make ends meet or being hungry. And, and that's just a, a wonderful blessing. And so the, the more we can do to pull away that trauma, those traumatic experiences, to ease those environments, um, the more we can allow for their brains to, to grow and explore. And, you know, they're... Their young minds move so much faster than, than our minds, and so they can, they can really do a lot in a short period of time if we just uh, create that environment. So I, we've been using these rules ever since we were little, so we've just had a lot of practice, and we just know we don't have to think about them. We just do it without thinking about it. So truth, love, and grit, which means always be kind, always tell the truth, and never give up. Um, my name is Jenna. I'm 13 years old, and I go to community school. I play soccer. I do enjoy music. I play the piano and the violin. 
And Sam is my dad. The skill that carries throughout their life are these foundational, sometimes called durable skills, that allows them to be adaptable and flexible and, and, and be able to uh, work well in ever-changing environments. And that's you know, so true now more than ever. I mean, it's a very, very intentional environment that you have to create. Uh, and, and my feeling is, is that, um, you know, you, you can't leave it to chance and it doesn't just naturally happen. Structured meaning where there's a, an amount of safety and security uh, that they have time to actually just explore growth uh, and, and development. Um, and so that kind of intentionality is, is what we need to be thinking about and, and investing in as a, as a valley uh, and into organizations like the Boys and Girls Club. Hello. Hello. So, I, so Darius is wrapping up. They have a, what's called a walkthrough, guys. They're wrapping it up, as I can see right now. All right. He's on his way. He's logging on. Hello. How y'all doing? Good. Good. Hi, Valdarius. Here we have some really special friends, and we are so grateful for you taking time to hang out with us for a little bit. Valdarius, we, we heard a little rumor that you were a club kid one, back in the day. Yes, ma'am. I was a boys and girls club kid, I believe, until fifth grade, until the ninth grade summer. It was a time of my life. I really enjoyed it at the boys and girls club. Mentorship is such an important part of what we do here at the club, and, you know, we talk about relationships. Relationships is what what we're built on. And I remember people took their time out, especially the counselors, specifically remember Miss Keisha. When I was younger, I used to get into a little bit of trouble. Me and my brothers, we used to play around. We didn't listen as much. And she always used to sit us down, calm us down, and we would regroup. And Mr. Dominique, I remember every day we used to go in there and play basketball with Mr. Dominique. He was a um, big mentor to me and my friends, and I was very grateful for that. We have this wonderful partnership with the Hokie Way, and in talking to some of those athletes as we prepare sometimes for the visits and, and other college students, and sometimes they're apprehensive about what it is they're offering to our children. And it is that just the opportunity for kids to get to know this person, to ask them questions. My name's Scarlett, and I'm going into seventh grade. Um, how long have you been an athlete? I've been an athlete probably since I was five or four. I've been played everything from basketball, soccer, uh, football, and I, I did karate. And I wanted to play college basketball. That's why Mr. Dominique was like a big part of my Boys and Girls Club experience. We played basketball like 24-7, and it was it was a, a fun time. And then I was just blessed with the opportunity to be good at football. My name is Kaden and I'm going into the third. How many hours do you practice? I started off at a very young age. A lot of hard work. My parents were able to help me practice a lot. My dad was a football coach. I did a lot of, even when I was little, I used to go to Mount Trashmore in Virginia Beach at like four in the morning. On Saturdays, we probably did that every other week. And I was going to summer workouts. So I did a lot of extra training, extra work, a lot of behind the scenes work that nobody really sees. Today, I believe practice is only probably two or three hours, but I've been up since 
six in the morning and I just left a walkthrough like right before I got on this phone call. So it, today ranges from like 6 a.m. till I get to leave the stadium tonight at 9 p.m. So often what we don't realize is any one of us could be in a spot that someone else wants to be in, right? Like you may be in the role that this child hopes to fill one day. And especially when we're talking about college students and athletes, right? They're so cool for our kids. And so our kids just are excited to spend time with those folks and ask them like, what is it like? What do you do? What's it like to live in a dorm? You know, how did you get there? Was it hard to get there? Was it hard to get in? Was it hard to make the team? Um, And then that just opens up great opportunities for these uh, other folks to mentor our kids on what does that really look like? How do you achieve these goals? My name is Messiah and I'm going into the fifth. Is it fun to play football? Oh, yes, it's super fun, especially as you keep getting better and progress like then you will make friends and it's just it's a good time you you like it now by any chance yeah oh yeah if you like it now then you definitely will like it as you get older what position do you play linebacker oh yeah linebacker yeah that's i played that when i was younger but that's a very fun position too uh, i play defensive line but i've i've played every position on the football field except for center and guard before I tell you what position I used to play. What position you used to play? Wide receiver. You look like a wide receiver. You look fast. I got a football game after Bozinger's Club. Are you ready? Yeah. You excited? Yeah. There's nothing like them all little league days. I miss it. Honestly, just have fun with it. Cause as long as you have fun with it, everything else just comes with it. And hopefully you have a good game today too. Every adult who invests in a child, what you're telling that child is you're valuable, you're important, I believe in you, you can do this, right? And I mean, as an adult, don't we sometimes wish somebody would say that to us? So think about what that means for a kid. And the more people that pour that into a child, the more it builds their confidence and their security and their network to uh, just build them up to pursue what it is they wanna pursue. The them boys and girls club moment was very special to me, and it was a it was a great experience because I felt like if you give back to kids and talk to kids, I feel like later down the road y'all will look back at this moment and be like, I remember this or I remember that. It's a experience like no other. The counselors they they were they were great, and just those moments. And as you get older in the boys and girls club, the field trips, y'all making lifelong friends there. It's just a lifelong experience. It's special. That's what make Boys and Girls Club magic. The more we're able to embed that kind of experience, um, the more that, you know, not only do we want them to, uh, to be great advocates themselves, but to be effective advocates, you know, to be able to uh, fight for uh, their needs and, and their community's needs. Um, you know, th- those are the, the kinds of leaders that we want to grow every single day, and I know that the Boys and Girls Club is passionate about do y'all have any other questions? Do you have another question, Scott? Um, how long are you gonna stay in college? Oh, this this is my last semester. This will be my last semester right here, and then I'll be finished. Um, hopefully, I would like to go to the NFL. Um, but even after that, NFL doesn't last for too long. So I would like to open up a um a mental health center for the youth. 
back at home in the 757 area. Because um, it's a quote by Maya Angelou that says, I don't walk as one, I walk as 10,000. That's basically saying like, nobody got to where they are today by themselves. Plenty of people had to pour into you, they had to help you. So I feel like, like it's paying it forward. And it's just, me personally, I just, it, it feels good to help people. Cause if if I'm doing well, I feel like other people should be doing well. But even if I'm doing bad, I feel like other people should do well. I feel like people deserve better than what they have now. And I feel like volunteer could help. I remember maybe 15, 20 years ago, I had one of my first volunteer experiences at the West End Center. And uh, must have been a, about a 12-year-old young man. And I started, we were playing basketball. Um, you know, sports are a great way to connect. And we were playing basketball, and then we just started talking. And I could tell by the way that this young man was kind of soaking it up. Uh, we were just having a general conversation that, you know, this might be the first time, or, or this is one of the few times that this young man has had a positive uh, interaction with a male in his life. And um, and just by having this, like, I recognize you, th this uh, little conversation, um, I guess it struck me at how formative that potentially was or, or is uh, for, for, for these kids because of so much uh, that they go through and what their realities. And, and so number one is just having that general exposure. And for me growing up here, you know, I couldn't dream about being a delegate because I didn't know what the heck that is. You know, I can think back to one or two or a few different conversations that really kind of pushed me in one direction and said, oh, here's, here's an opportunity. Uh, and I remember those very specific moments where I was standing, what that person said, the fact that it was raining on my head, and that tiny conversation for, for one minute that that person had with me it is why I'm delegate, you know? And most people don't even know what a state representative does. I don't even tell people what I do. I just give them a card and say, call us when you need help, you know? And, and I would not have had that kind of access or understanding had someone uh, not taken me aside and explained something to me. And I can't dream about something if I've never seen it. And so I've become, you know, started to be very passionate about I want kids to come to the General Assembly, sit in my seat on the House floor, and that way they can just have a picture of it in their mind. Uh, but whether it's being in, in the boardroom at uh, our Fortune 1000 company in, in the greater Roanoke and New River Valley, bringing a kid in and having them kind of experience uh, that, and that way they can begin to, to dream about being the CEO or uh, leading uh, the, the next charge on some new innovation. Uh, that's the kind of, I think, access that we can give. And to us, it's just kind of ordinary, right? We're just having a basic conversation. And, but to them, you never know where that kind of formative um, turning point uh, might be. Uh, that's the kind of the, the magic that happens here at the Boys and Girls Club. 
Well, Fooders, thank you so much. Can y'all say thank you? Thank, thank you. you. We are grateful for you sharing your time with us. Yes, no, no. Thank you for having me. I appreciate y'all and allowing me to be on this podcast with you all. And go Hokies, right? Have a great football season. We'll be cheering you on. Thank you. Hopefully I'll see y'all at the game. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this incredible journey of The Magic Within, a podcast series by Boys and Girls Clubs of Southwest Virginia. So if you're listening to our podcast and you're interested in getting involved with the Boys and Girls Club, my suggestion would be think about our mission. And now that you know what that is, why does that speak to you? And how do you feel that you're uniquely situated to serve that mission? And for every person, it looks totally different. Um, Maybe there's a a subject area you really care about. Maybe you're a retired teacher or a retired um, astronomer, anything. I mean, and you have a skill that you think you could share with kids. You can work with us. You can volunteer with us. Maybe you feel that the best way you can support children reaching those goals is by to give and to support that way or to come to a special event. We want to extend a special invitation to you, our listener. If you believe, as we do, that every child deserves a chance to shine and reach their full potential, please support our mission. Your contributions can make a profound impact, helping us continue to unlock the magic within each young person that we serve. Yeah, there's just a lot of ways, but I always encourage people, the first stop is think about what's important to you as it relates to our mission, and then think about what you have that's unique that would support that mission. Visit our website at www.bgcswva.org to find out how you can get involved, donate, and volunteer. Together, we can create brighter futures for the youth across our region. This series was created by Will Solari and Emily Pinkerton and edited and produced by Will Solari. Thank you to our podcast series sponsor, P1 Technologies, and episode sponsor, Whistler Plumbing and Air, with additional support from Branch Group, Cox Communications, Safe House Signs, Carmoose, Pinnacle Financial Partners, Roanoke Valley Orthodontics, New River Electrical, Dominion Risk Advisors, First Citizens Bank, Freedom First, and Member One Federal Credit Union. Thank you to our guests who shared their stories on this episode, and a special thanks to Matt Sams with The Hokie Way and Jenna Razul. Our theme music is titled Sonata for a Red Moon and was composed and performed by our very own 17-year-old club member, Rex. We appreciate you joining us. Until next time, keep believing in the magic within.